Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. How you doing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm doing okay. I would okay. say six out of ten. Yeah. That's it. That ain't bad. No. I mean, it's an F in traditional sort of school grading terminology, mm-hmm. but six out of ten. Yeah, or I, a generous D minus. A generous D. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I, I'm feeling about a good six right now. And that's mm-hmm. better than I, I, I think I was last week. And that's, you know, I like that upward momentum. Maybe we could even aspire to a seven one day <laughs> or a 7.5. Who? It's gonna take. It's gonna take a while. We have it made in the shade with a seven point five. We hope you're doing even better than that. Eights, nines, tens across the board. That's what I want from you, our audience. <laughs> um, this is wonderful. It's a show where we talk about things that we we like, things that we are into, things that are good. Um, which is, you know, all the more important that we talk about good things in this this day and age. Do you have mm-hmm. any? What are you looking at? You're gazing down at my. You're looking at my <laughs> your strange pose that you've adopted. I'm crossing my legs and I'm supporting. And you got my, your torso like 45 degrees. It's how I like to sit. It's I'm. It's like I'm doing a kind of stretch and I'm engaging my core. Mm. So I guess I'm the asshole for engaging my core. <laughs> Listen, podcast time is just a. It's and I think we've been doing this long enough that we can admit it just a waste of time at this point. So I want to be doing something good. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting that core. Yeah. So tight. Yeah. When I twist like this and I push the jokes out of my diaphragm, Oh, my core gets mm, like a big, like, like it's stucco <laughs> down there. It's so firm. Do you have any small wonders? Uh, I'm going to say second day cake. The, the, the second day of cake is traditionally the best day. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had a birthday. Mm, no big deal. Twenty two uh, years young. Stop. Uh, sixteen. No, no, not sixteen. No, twenty five years young. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Griffin uh, found a way to procure cake in this time, <laughs> which yes. itself was wonderful. But then he got enough cake so that I could have it the day after my birthday as well. Yeah. Uh, A plus. It was very good cake mm-hmm. uh, from La Patisserie here in town. Yes. If you're in Austin, support your local biz. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of supporting your local biz, there's a little mom and pop shop called Taco Bell that I guess is giving out free tacos today. Free, oh, really? Uh, Doritos blasted, whatever they're called, tacos. This won't be applicable to our listeners. No, it won't. Um, but I'm I celebrate that. I think <laughs> I mostly celebrate the Doritos Locos Taco. It's my mini my mini one because mm-hmm. Doritos are good as hell, and I love these tacos. I've not had one in a long time. From what I understand, they have discontinued the cooler ranch one which was like the shit um <laughs> but yeah giving out free tacos uh is good maybe a bad sort of transmission vector but it's also a transmission vector for good flavors good dorito flavors and i think mm-hmm. that that's in, that's bold and important and special and worth talking about it's kind of amazing how doritos has changed the chip landscape oh yeah there's a lot there there's a lot to talk about there mm-hmm. Like you're talking about the hint of lime Tostitos, right? Or any of the hint of lime chips. Like, yeah. I feel like the zest on those is getting so strong and so good. And I think it's just because of the bold direction that the, the path that Doritos sort of yeah. bushwhacked in the flavor, the flavor jungle for, for them. For Frontierman yes. in the chip vector. Yeah. We love the word vector in this household. Yeah, asshole. I'm kind of leaning into that one. You go first this week. Oh, Can I do. you begin? Uh, my first thing is, uh, it's a trip back to Quantum Leap. You're taking us back to Quantum Leap? Yes. 
That's very okay. Not unexpected. As you'll maybe recall, if you are a devout, wonderful listener, um, not just that I enjoy Quantum Leap, but also I have discussed it previously on the show, but at that time, I discussed a very particular episode of Quantum Leap, which was the Leap Home. Right. This time, I am discussing in particular when Sam, as played by Scott Bakula, interacts with historical figures. So like virtually every other episode of the show. Not entirely true. What, can I guess which one you're going to bring? No, I'm talking generally. Generally, when Sam on Quantum Leap yes. interacted with historical... Honey, this is a very, very, very specific, wonderful topic, I believe. Yeah, Maybe your well, most specific yet. There's only like a dozen times that he does it in the like five-year run of the show. Can I say my very favorite? Okay. Chubby Checker. Yes. He invents the twist accidentally, doesn't he? Oh, no, this was very intentional. Okay. Fantastic. This was... That was Sam being like, oh, you know what dance you should do with this song? <laughs> <laughs> is the twist and that introduces another sort of like conundrum loop right of like who actually invented if if sam beckett goes uh-huh. back in time and teaches chubby checker the twist because he learned it from chubby checker who made the damn twist right though? right this is what i love this is the kind of stuff that quantum leap brings to the table right uh a lot of a lot of what i'm going to detail is is a very small part of the plot. It's okay. almost just like a little wink there at the end, usually. Um, I feel like the... I mean, it, it varies. Sometimes it's incredibly heavy-handed. Um... I'll just I'll just start going through them, and you let me know if you want to spend some some more time examining a particular one. Because you, at this point, have watched the entire series, right? Or no? Yeah, I mean, babe, we watched it together. We watched the whole <laughs> series together. So I don't know how I would have missed a, a couple there. Um, it, how how does the chubby checker teaching him the twist rank in the heavy handedness sort of department? Because it feels awfully heavy to me. It it is. I. Uh... There's one where he teaches Michael Jackson the moonwalk, and that one's pretty heavy-handed. Yeah, I would say going back to um, black performers and then teaching them the dances that they <laughs> popularized is maybe a little is a, maybe a little problematic. Quantum leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one could argue that the twist would have would have eventually appeared on its own, right? Because twisting your body is is something that you do. <laughs> Okay, one would argue that the twist did appear because Chubby Checker invented it. (laughs) Well, I'm saying the moonwalk is not something somebody would naturally do just uh, on moving their body. No, it's almost like a performer would have to sort of choreograph it. uh, I'm saying I twist my body every day. I'm twisting my body right now and and engaging my freaking core. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There are also examples for... uh, in How the Test Was Won, an episode that was supposed to take place in 1956, where Sam helped Buddy Holly write the lyrics to Peggy Sue. Okay. And maybe he could have given his boy a heads up about in- <laughs> a specific airplane <laughs> know, right? that he maybe should not get on board of. Of all the things he could have done. You think he was like, oh, I finally accomplished my mission. Time to leap. Whoa. Oh, shit. Hey, buddy. What? Ah, too late. Please. <laughs> In the episode, Buddy Holly was a young boy sitting on a porch singing to a pig he loved and saying the phrase Piggy Sue. Oh, boy. At which point Sam said, you know what? You should try Peggy. So again, like where did... Okay. This Um, is like... This is a Sam Beckett is his own dad (laughs) level of like... Of the snake eating its tail. There are also other light ones. Uh, There's one 
Uh, Leap of Faith is the episode. It takes place in 1963, uh, where he teaches a young Sylvester Stallone the plot of Rocky. <laughs> what? I do not remember that. He. It was a boxing one. It was where he was boxing right. for like a church for whatever reason for the nuns <laughs> as a fundraiser. <laughs> God, this show beats ass. And he was learning how to box. Yeah. And there was a young Sylvester Stallone there. And Sam kind of detailed like the the great comeback story of Rocky. Yeah. I um, feel like you are cautiously inching toward the big one. The big historical. I mean, okay. You say the big one. And I think I know what you're talking about. But there's also uh, an episode called Starcross that takes place in 1972 where Sam uh, tips off the Watergate break-in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the big tip. We couldn't have done... So he was deep throat? Is that like the... No, no, no. He sees some people in a hotel kind of moving around and he like makes a call. Oh, okay. He's not really thinking, I think, that it's Watergate at the time. Well, mm-hmm. then he is ve- he's not a very smart man, is he? <laughs> I guess that's that Swiss cheese brain. Uh, there is one where he performs the Heimlich Maneuver before the Heimlich Maneuver was invented. Uh, that one, is, I will say, someone would have figured that out on their own. He is at eventually. a restaurant, and he saves somebody using that method, and Heimlich happens to be there, and he's like, that's a real I'm good method. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm going to make so much money. Uh, and there's one 1964 episode, The Boogeyman, where he meets a young Stephen King, at the time called Stevie King. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's ones where he actually leaps into the historical figure himself. Okay. So he leaps into Elvis, mm-hmm. uh, leaps into Dr. Ruth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wowzers. Which is a complicated episode. Yeah. To say and then the, least. the one I think that you're referencing where he leaps into Lee Harvey Oswald himself. Fuck yeah. It's a two-parter. Didn't it win like a an Emmy or something like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. This, is, this episode is shit hot. It is mm-hmm. like, that's my like ideal, if I was going to onboard somebody on Quantum. Because I guess there's really not another sort of series uh, yeah. sequence like that. But having him jump into Lee Harvey Oswald and having to like complete his mission is yeah. some wild shit, man. Well, and this is one of the ones where they suggest that Sam has changed history considerably. Right. Because at the end of that episode, Sam feels very upset that he wasn't able to stop the assassination. And then Al indicates that in the original timeline that Jackie also was also killed. passes and that Sam has actually saved her. Yeah. I it's, just, I just like got chills saying it's that. A cl- a, I remember the first time I saw it, you watched the whole episode thinking like, how are they going to resolve that? Yeah. Like they, there's also like a subplot of Lee Harvey Oswald is in the, the quote unquote waiting room. Right. Yeah, and that's that like, liked, yeah. The idea is that when Sam leaps into a body in this show, that the body has displaced goes into this future waiting room where the like scientific experiment is taking place. Right. Typically it's, it's a harmless switch, but Lee Harvey Oswald, I guess like, a harmful over. individual, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that man, those episodes are so wicked good. Another um, heavier one is when he uh, leaps into the limousine or I guess chauffeur driver uh, of Marilyn Monroe. Oh. And he is in a position uh, to, I guess, try and save her right. as well. Um, and then the argument at the end from Al is that he has extended her life, not that he saved her. So yeah, that's, that's another example where 
there's kind of, there's two circumstances, right? Where like Sam invents something or like teaches the person something. And then like Sam actually like changes history in a significant way. And that the, the idea that the timeline that we know is, is actually Sam not the Beckett. real timeline. It's the timeline that Sam Beckett has right. created, which I, as a, as a child watching this show, absolutely loved. Yeah, sure. Because I, you know, I mean, when you are a kid watching this show and probably a lot of adults too, you kind of like this idea that... This is real. Right. <laughs> you know, and I still kind of I still kind of think of that and we still kind of make jokes of that of like why haven't I leaped yet? Mm-hmm. Like this idea that you've done something that is like profound in a person's life and that was the thing that you were supposed to do. Yeah. Man, I won't go watch some freaking Quantum Leap, man. I love it. I, know. I love it so much. It is It is a little cheesy. I mean, a lot of the examples I, I gave you kind of demonstrate the humor of it, which is always kind of ridiculous and goofy, right. but oh, so fun. Um, my first thing this week is a band, uh, a duo uh, called Capsule. Mm. Uh, and Capsule is a, a an electronica duo uh, from Japan uh, that has been kind of like seminal to, to that to that genre uh they got started in 1997 uh when uh the the two members of the group the producer uh, whose name is yasutaka nakata and uh the the vocalist for the group uh and her name is toshiko koshijima uh they were 17 years old and they met at like some sort of like conference and since then they have put together 15 albums uh so they're like really really prolific and their music is for the most part just like super relentlessly upbeat and very like danceable and enjoyable they're often compared to like daft punk uh in in terms of like aesthetic musical aesthetic um and i don't know a whole lot about like japanese electronica despite the fact that this is the second time that i have brought (laughs) something including uh wednesday campanella a while back um but i really really like capsule a whole lot and um I just I I will go through periods where I don't listen to them for years and then I will find them again and just go deep down a capsule hole. And I'm currently in the capsule hole right now and I want to take everybody down with me. Um, So uh, I'm going to play a song of theirs real quick for people who've never heard them before. Uh, This is off of their 2010 album player. Uh, The track is called I Wish You. Um, so the, their, their albums are really successful overseas, but where most of their like attention comes from is that all of their music gets licensed for like theme songs for shows or for commercials. There are uh, talk shows that they uh, their music has been licensed to be the title theme of. Uh, there are, uh, I'm trying to remember the, I have like a list, but it's like dozens of things that they are, are uh, the, the theme song for. Um, and I have a really like special memory of this band and specifically that song we just listened to, uh, which is Rachel and I, uh, our, our honeymoon in Japan that we went on in 2013, um, where we had some afternoon where we were just like killing time in Shibuya. And we went into a record store that had like those listening stations. Do you remember yeah, this? Uh-huh. And we were just like, let's go. I mean, we got like an hour to kill. Let's go just walk around and listen to some music that like we've never really dabbled in those genres before. 
Uh, and that was really fun. And I remember I found a CD of capsules. Is that how we found them? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, come listen to this. Come check yeah. this out. And you listen to it and you're like, oh, that's great. Uh, flash forward at like a week or so and we're staying at this Airbnb in Kyoto and uh, there's like nothing to do in this Airbnb. Like nothing, nothing really to do. So we would get back from walking around all these places and just be dead tired and not really have anything to, you know, uh, relax with at home. So I remember there was a CD player in the kitchen. That was like the one yeah. sort of entertainment device in the whole place. And so we walked to a record store um, that was like in the base of the Kyoto Tower and we found this album player by Capsule yeah. and brought it home and just like listened to it nonstop. And I yeah. think we still have that CD somewhere, we right? We do. It's like the only CD I've listened to <laughs> in the past decade or so. Um, so like their music's really upbeat and really nice. And I'm, uh, I am drawn to music like that right now Mm -hmm. specifically. And it, it like listening to their music now makes me happy. Not only on a, like the music is happy and it, you know, is, is upbeat. Uh, but it also like makes me remember like a really special time and a really special memory. I've, I I can't think of too many other times that I've like sought out music like that. Like Mm -hmm. we went to that record store, like, let's go find a fucking capsule CD, and it took us a very long time, but we managed to do it. And I remember feeling like, oh, we found this little treasure. And so like that album has a very special place in my heart. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't really have much else to say. Uh, they haven't dropped an album since 2015. But yeah, as far I was going to ask tell, you if they were still making music. Uh, as far as I can tell, they didn't like formally break up or anything like that. But uh, I think this is the longest dry spell that they have uh, that they've ever had. Um uh, but yeah, I, I hope, I hope they're just like, you know, working on their magnum opus or something like that. Uh, yeah, their sound is just like really cool and, uh, I enjoy it on a few different levels. I'm going to play, uh, to take us out just, uh, another song off that album player that is called, uh, Hello. That's it. I don't have much else to say, but I feel like we need to say something to pat out while that track fades out before we play the Home Improvement Stinger. <laughs> what do you think it would sound like if Capsule did the Home Improvement Stinger? Are you going to do that? I don't know how to do that, man. That would be like pretty <laughs> tough. Um, no, I'll, I'll throw my hat over the fence. I think it would sound a little something like this. Can I steal you away? Please. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible 
that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. This first personal message is for Samuel, and it is from Kyra. Hi, baby. Just writing to say that I love you every second, and you mean the whole world to me. You're my baby, my angel, my pumpkin, my darling, my sweet and wonderful boy. Thanks for marrying me and always kissing me so sweetly. Love, 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 love you. Listen, I'm, I'm supportive and inclusive of... Most things these days, I like to think, but I think loving a pumpkin is too much. Whoa. I think being in love with a pumpkin is a bridge too far. Who? Any gourd, really. Oh, wow, Griffin. Yeah, I'll say it. I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> this is my, this is, this is my, I'm on that Joe Rogan shit right now telling you the truth. You may not want to hear it, but it's the freaking truth. I don't think you should love a pumpkin. Here's another Jumbotron. This one is for Emily. It is from Beckett. I just pointed out to Rachel that the first one was from, it was for Samuel. This one is from Beckett. There, it, that's, he's out there. He's out there and he's reaching out and he needs you, Rachel. He needs <laughs> you right now. Uh, oh boy. Oops. Uh, okay. Well, Emily said, uh, Beckett says, happy Hanukkah to my favorite wife, author, and mother to our terrible dog children. I'm so happy you actually married me in September and I can't wait to keep adventuring with you. I love you to the moon and back. Let's get bow and yell about our characters tonight. You're wonderful. So we did screw the pooch on this one. We did beef this one and we screwed it up because it's supposed to be around Hanukkah. Or we're really early? Or we're extremely early. No, because they say that they, they got married in September. I have to imagine, unless they have the gift of foresight and saw their, their marriage going <laughs> off smoothly here in uh, six months or so. Um, but hey, happy Hanukkah. Have a great one. Yeah. Um, light some candles. Light some candles. Do it. Hi, I'm Dave Hill from before. And I'm very excited to bring Dave Hill's podcasting incident back to Maximum Fun, where it belongs. You can get brand new episodes every Friday on MaximumFun.org or, you know, wherever. And while my partner Chris Gersbeck and I might lack in specific subject matter on our podcast, we make up for in special effects 
Chris, add something cool right here. Also, we have explosions, animal noises, and sometimes even this. Dave Hill's podcasting incident every Friday on Maximum Fun. Chris, do another explosion right here. What's your second thing? My second thing is the humble sweat pant. Sweat pant. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine and mm-hmm. yours. Yes. And I imagine everyone during these trying times. I expect at some point that I will feel the desire to get dressed up as if I am to leave the house that day. But so far, that has not been the case. I have spent a lot of time in the sweat pant. You've been working from home for two weeks now. Yes. Um, I, it took me several years before uh, of working at home before I worked up this sort of dedication uh, yeah, to this do that. has been a really interesting experience for me and Griffin because for Griffin, his daily routine has changed, but not in the sense that he is, you know, confined to his uh, his home while he is working, but it is very different for me. And so I kind of like to check in with him and be like, okay, tell me what the beginning was like. <laughs> the beginning was quite bad. Um, for several years working from home, writing for Joystick at AOL, uh, my office was a desk yeah. uh, with a laptop on it that was in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, and that was up until I lived in Chicago. That was like my setup. And that, it's hard to work when your bed is like Well, and then when you right moved there. to Austin, I mean, you didn't really have an office I didn't really have office an office. Space. Yeah, I forget. Where did I even work? Did I just work on the couch? I you do worked in the living room. Yeah. Remember, was... you were watching a lot of Friday Night Lights at the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yes, now I try to take it very seriously mm-hmm. uh, because I think that it sort of, you know, helps make it feel normal in a, in a way. Um, but I also think that working in your sweatpants is normal, too. Yeah, I I was curious, and I have found a little bit of data out there to suggest that the uh, investment in athleisure has gone up in recent weeks. Um, specifically, there was a representative for Net a Porter, which is a kind of a, a popular clothing site mm-hmm. that said that they experienced a forty percent uptick in general sweatpants sales in mm. the first week of COVID nineteen lockdown. Good. Uh, Aero Postal recorded a. 23% increase in women's sweatpants. Russell Athletic has seen a double-digit increase in searches for sweatpants styles, um, et, et cetera. Uh, I have noticed that a particular brand that I like um, has been sold out of many different sizes oh boy. right now. Yikes. Uh, so sweatpants invented in France in the 1920s by Le Coq Sportif. It took us, amazing name, it took us that long to lock down sweatpants? Yeah. I mean, it was it was primarily for athletes. You yeah. Know? I mean, this is the era where people wore a hat if they were outside. You know, it was very formal time. <laughs> you were going to leave the house. You were going to cover your head yeah. because everything was to be formal and covered in right. public. And also because the clouds are full of uh, mercury. And so you need protection against that. <laughs> Mercury? Yeah, things were different back then. Okay, what else? What else? Oh boy, let me tell you, the streetlights would just like they mm-hmm. were fire. They were made. It was an oil lamp with fire on it, so you had to wear a hat to protect your hair, didn't you? Because mm-hmm. your hair had all manner of uh, old oils massaged into it. To you know, a lot of people did wear a lot of oils in their hair back then because lice was just like a thing <laughs> you had. Like everyone just had their own sort of. 
lice situation. Mm -hmm. And for the courtesy of others, you would just sort of slop them all down to your head with a thick layer of oil. But boy, how do you walk too close to one of those lamps? You're going to have yourself a bad Tuesday. You're going to be a Joe Pesci in a home alone. You're going to have a real Pesci situation. (laughs) And you see that movie and you say, that's funny. That's so funny. That is so funny. That man's skull would and brain are like done Mm -hmm. my man's head is cooked Mm -hmm. (laughs) so just something to keep in mind old-timey people so there are a few things that popularized the sweat pant um first olympians they began appearing a lot at the uh in the olympics in 1930s uh seeing athletes in sweats um was kind of the the go-to wasn't until the 1980s with films like Rocky. Mm, oh, yeah. And also icons like Jane Fonda, who kind of popularized this kind of workout culture and the clothes associated with it, hmm. um, which in turn has given us athleisure. What about a sweat short? I mean, that is, that is a thing also. I guess it's kind of the same thing. Rachel has a pair of shorts. That used to be sweatpants, mm-hmm. but then we cut them off at the knee. Yeah. So that I think it was, I think we got the pants for a costume to be Artie, the strongest yeah. man in the world. But Which, by the way, you're to... wearing a shirt that would have. Oh, shit. You're right. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Griffin found a pair of red sweatpants that he was going to repurpose as part of the costume. Didn't end up going that direction. Uh, and so Rachel I, got crafty. I got crafty. Cut the legs off. Just and that now, was where it stopped. <laughs> and now, oof, these shorts are. We constantly joke about the sort of like anti sexiness of them. Uh-huh. They are somehow the least flattering garment that exists, maybe on the planet. So there, so there are a few things that have popularized athleisure. Uh, one is the just the general technological improvements in synthetic fiber, like spandex, mm-hmm. uh, which is more durable, washable than natural materials. Um, also, the modern fixation on healthy appearance. Uh, one thing you'll notice a lot with these these pants is they make your uh, they make your body look good because mm. you're all you're all tight in there. Oh, you're really you're packed in and you're tight. Oh, is that what people like? People tend to like that. I like it loose. And sort of um, mysterious, and then also just the more the more casual appearance that is appropriate now in in daily life. Right, as I mentioned, you don't have to wear the hat anymore when you go out to the grocery store. It's a it's a common observation, but boy, howdy, it's true uh, that every day at college, every class. Just like everyone yeah. had sweatpants on mm-hmm. pretty much all the time. I didn't roll like that just because I didn't live on campus. And so um, for me, it was making a statement. If I left the house and walked down the sidewalk to my car and drove on public roads in my sweatpants. You still won't really leave the house in a sweatpant, I've noticed. No, no. A lot of times, um, if you are going to go somewhere, you will change into uh, street clothes. Well, because if there's a danger or some sort mm. of hazard... I can't negotiate that in sweatpants. This is a lot about you, Griffin. It does say a whole lot about me, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, there has been a, a decline in the in the purchase of denim uh, recently, but there is a huge increase in athleisure. Well, I, it's a direction that I support. I support that the, that direction of the economy. Yeah, the, I mean, one of the big popularizes for this was a Lululemon. Oh, yeah. Um, And that was in the late 90s. But the phrase or the term athleisure appeared as early as 1979. Hmm. Um, 
which, you know, is, is kind of what I've been describing, this idea that you can wear workout clothes and they're a little stylish so that you can wear them generally in your day-to-day. Unless there's, again, a hazard that you must negotiate. And then you're just... Can you give me an example of like a hazard? What Where are, you I, would be like, oh, I am wearing the inappropriate pant for this hazard. I, I don't want to get arrested in sweatpants, I guess, is what I'm thinking about. Mm. I don't want to have to face some sort of judge in sweat you know what i mean mm-hmm. what if i get a job interview on the street and i'm dressed in freaking sweatpants yeah or what if the and you know this is true the paparazzo well yeah yeah so like i can't can you imagine but then you'd be stars are just like us you know no it would be like look at griffin he's he's given up he doesn't give a shit like you, <laughs> people know me for my fashion oh, right yeah. <laughs> you don't see heidi klum walking around in sweatpants unless she's doing like a really funny halloween costume mm-hmm. um so that's the expectation that's on me is it fair no is it the price that i have to pay for the the level of success i've achieved yes mm-hmm. is it a trade-off that i think is worth it no <laughs> I want to leave the house in sweatpants, but I cannot because of the, just these the shutter bugs outside. Mm-hmm. It's their shutters going off. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. Even now, they're out there, and they're not supposed to be. Well, thank you for your service, Griffin. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, no, it's another kind of courage. <laughs> I, uh, my second thing this week is telekinesis. Telekinesis. Whoa. Yeah. It's so dope. Um, it, is the, <laughs> it is the, like, it is the superpower I wish I had. When people ask, like, what superpower do you wish you had? If you could have one superpower, for me, it's telekinesis. Mm-hmm. And people who are like, oh, I wish I could fly. Most people don't know what they're talking about. Because if you had telekinesis, you could just make yourself or anyone else fly. Like, it's the, it is the er superpower. You can mm-hmm. do so much shit with telekinesis. It's the dream that I have most often. The dream that, like, I can really? move stuff with my... Well, it's like the... I don't have flying dream. I have a lot of, like, um, oh, shit, I can move stuff with my mind. And then, like... Uh, I I achieve a level of like fame for that, like full blown phenomenon style. And then like, I have to go out on stage and move some stuff with my mind and then I can't do it. Griffin has a shocking number of going out on stage dreams. I guess maybe not so shocking considering your profession, but I I, have, I like almost never have those dreams. And that's like Man, all you I have. have. That's all I have. <laughs> um, so telekinesis is the ability to uh, affect a physical system via non-physical means with your mind. Uh, it's also commonly called psychokinesis. Apparently that is the more common name for it. I always call it telekinesis, but I will call it psychokinesis or PK for the remainder of this segment. Um, and people throughout recorded history have, you know, claimed to have these PK powers, um, uh, you know, especially once magicians started to kind of incorporate that kind of stuff into yeah, their, their the spoon. illusory acts. Well, I mean, you started out more with like stuff that read from far away, like, uh, you know, I'm going to make this shit float. And then there were magicians who would yeah. say like, I'm literally able to make shit float. I am unto a god. <laughs> uh, and that's when people were like, hey, roll it back, just a roll it back just a little bit. Uh, and honestly, like uh, people claiming to be psychokinetic ability users led to a huge influx of like professional, um, uh, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Skeptics, like people who tried to like disprove those claims. Uh, there is a large community of skeptics that came up around the sort of psychokinetic ability movement. 
um, because in more modern times, the idea of like PK abilities has lent itself to people claiming uh, psychic healing uh, powers, yeah. uh, which is about the limits of what I find fun about telekinesis. Yeah. Uh, parapsychologists, they uh, typically categorize like the idea of psychokinetic powers into uh, two camps. Uh, the first is macro, which is like visible. I'm going to pick that shit up and move it with my mind. And then micro, which you can only track through, you know, you, you can't see it. So that's stuff like, you know, healing and yeah. um, something called uh, photography, where you like project an image into somebody's mind, uh, stuff like that. So I want to talk about macro psychokinesis because that that yeah. is uh, a rad like fictional concept. Lots of superheroes have it. Jean Grey. Uh, Psylocke, uh, Matilda, Matilda, Carrie from Carrie, mm-hmm. freaking uh, like a lot of characters in Akira, which I don't think you've seen before. No, I don't think I've not. made you watch Akira. It's really good. Um, but even when people are using it for bad stuff, like most of the people in Akira, uh, I'm still like, damn, I wish I could move stuff with my mind. Um, <laughs> so powerful was my desire to, to move stuff with my mind. I have a lot of vivid memories of elementary school. I was in the safety patrol for a few years. Uh-huh. Where we would serve as basically like crossing guards and I would like on one of those shifts when nobody was around, like try to move the flag on the end of my pole with my mind. Oh, and sometimes the wind would blow it and I'd be like, look, I did see everyone. See, uh, <laughs> I am not alone in that desire because in the 1980s, fucking everyone wanted to move stuff with yeah, their minds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a dude whose name was Jack Houck. Uh, and he was a like an engineer at Boeing for 42 years. And then he was like, I want to get cool psychic powers. And so he started to uh, research like psychokinetic abilities and remote viewing and all kinds of like wild shit like that. Uh, and then Hauk popularized what were called PK parties. Uh, where bored adults would get together and just try to ruin silverware with their minds. <laughs> uh, and it was like a thing. Like lots of people did this. Yeah. Uh, and he published a paper about like how to throw a PK party for, for, for free, uh, except for some silverware that you're going to ruin. Uh, and it's easy to find this. Just search Jack Houck, H-A-U-C-K, uh, PK party. And you can find this document that he circulated and led to this like whole phenomenon. Um and he explains like not everyone at your party is going to be able to do it and most folks are just going to be able to achieve what he called quote kindergarten bending which is like so bonkers if i was like at a party and i bent like a spoon a little bit with my mind and i'd be like oh that wasn't very far (laughs) and not like holy shit it's real it's really happening this is an excerpt from the document that i think is so fucking funny After people have bent four or five pieces of stainless flatware in kindergarten bending, then have them try to buckle the bowl of silver-plated spoons. Do not use knives because they sometimes break and cut people. Similarly, glass and graphite pencils tend to explode, which are not good for your safety. This is so precise, and I love it. I fucking love it. Just just the specificity of like, we've bent a lot of stuff here at the Institute. And so let me tell you what you should and shouldn't bend. 
it goes on and is like plastic cutlery is good because it's cheap and you can like give it to the kiddos and not have a worry. But he will have people come up to him and be like, ah, I can bend all the metal, but the plastic is I can't do. And he's like, well, think of it like a radio dial. And on the far left side is the metal spoons and on the far right side is the plastic spoons. And then people come back to me and they're like, I finally bent the plastic spoon. And it's like, this, 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 listen. A lot of people are can be very predatory with stuff like this, and that's not great. But the idea of like the eighties going to a kick ass like psychokinesis party sounds yeah. pretty fucking cool to me. And just like a big spreadsheet that says like what have I bended and what would I like to bend? Yeah. Uh cabbage patch doll, check. Troll doll, check. And you're gonna have somebody at the party who like bends shit like really good and then like they go to eat the last jalapeno popper and you are also reaching for the last jalapeno <laughs> popper and they just kinda like look at you like scanners and you're like, oh shit, okay, it's yours. It's yours. I don't want any of that shit. You can bend my bones inside of my body. No thanks, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, PK. It's neat shit. Hey, can I tell you what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Elizabeth says, my small wonder is the video call site Zoom. Since my girlfriend and I can't see each other in person at school anymore, we have begun to call each other on Zoom. We are both making PowerPoints in the style of your podcast about our big wonders to present to each other using the screen sharing feature of Zoom on Friday, and I'm very excited. I love your podcast, and I hope you're both doing well. Oh, that's so great. Uh, Yeah, I learned just this week about... that you can in, insert digital backgrounds on Zoom, like I've heard easily. that, but I don't know how to do it. Uh, it's like in, just in the preferences, and then you like pick the I photo. I would you love want to do you. that because that has been at work. That has been our new method, and we're supposed to start having weekly and or bi-weekly meetings. Mm-hmm. And I work with a lot of people that are as just about as familiar with it as me. Yeah. So I would love to just bring that heat. That would be really, really like, cool. Rachel, are you on a beach somewhere? I've been traditionally doing uh, like bootleg Shrek costumes behind me because oh. they're some of the scariest I- images on the internet. Uh, Brianna says, uh, my small wonder is the smell of cooking onions, especially at a market or fair. The smell is delicious all the time, but when you don't know what exactly it's coming from, it can be so exciting. Is there a bratwurst stand waiting for me around the corner? A taco? truck a pizza kiosk so many culinary possibilities that is so true a lot of times griffin or i will be cooking and that is the first thing you smell and it's just like oh something smells good it's yeah. like always always onions, onions. <laughs> uh, or onions and garlic yeah. uh it, yeah i think i just get excited by that smell because it means some kind of home-cooked foods a coming mm-hmm. uh it's like the the starting pistol for a food race and the finish line is my mouth <laughs> Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And hey, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, thank you so much, Maximum Fun. There are a lot of podcasters out there that are providing special additional content right now. I Mm -hmm. would encourage you to check it out because it is very endearing and charming and kind of what I love most about the Max Fun family. Yeah. Uh, hey everybody, you're doing uh, you're doing your best. It's uh, try not to be too hard on yourself right now. You know, try to be on. One thing Griffin said to me that I found really helpful Ooh. is he is he was like, "This is the first time you know in, in our lifetime that anybody has ever had to do this." And so, you know, be gentle with yourself as you figure it out, because that's what everybody's doing. Be gentle. Be tender. Show. Mm-hmm. Try a little self tenderness. Be your own best lover. Be your well, <laughs> no, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, if that's I mean, how, come I, on. yeah, come on. It's a don't be a prude, Griffin. <laughs> you don't have to social distance yourself from your from your stuff, your, your thing. No, well, I'm not gonna go that far. I don't think. Oh yeah, leave me on here. Hang now. <laughs> Money.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.